This is Dale Jr., and you're listening to Dirty Mo' Radio. I was happy for Dad after it was over and he had won, but I don't like to finish second. This is the Daytona 500, and thank God! It's an accomplishment that we'll not forget. There's a lot of satisfaction in winning the championship. Jeff Gordon out of turn number four. He will lay claim to his first ever Winston Cup victory, and it comes in the Coca-Cola 600. Rick Hendrick, uh, hope I'm with you for a long time. At the end of the day, you still want to see a lot of people in those stands. I am history. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Back in the day, with Steve Richards and Ron LeMasters. NASCAR history is a rich tapestry of speed, personality, great racing. Here at Back in the Day, we celebrate that history by keeping it alive, just like Dale Earnhardt Jr. did in the original TV show. We'll take important dates, races, and trends in NASCAR and pass them along to you. I'm Ron LeMasters, and here comes Back in the Day from the new Exalta studio inside Junior Motorsports. Many important things happened in 1979. It was the year before the Reagan Revolution, which saw Ronald Reagan elected president. NBC News now makes its projection for the presidency. Reagan is our projected winner. The Cold War was still in full freeze. U.S. hostages were still being held in Iran. Iranian students continue to hold more than 50 hostages at the American embassy in Tehran this morning. Inflation was out of control, and much of the U.S. was embroiled in economic malaise. Today's OPEC increases are expected to drive the price of unleaded up to a national average of 77 cents per gallon. There were brighter spots, to be sure. Just a good old boy. On January 26th, the Dukes of Hazard made its debut on CBS. The Village People's smash hit peaked at number two on the pop charts. And on February 18th, Richard Petty won the Daytona 500. It was his sixth victory in NASCAR's biggest race. That brings us to our topic for today, the 1979 Daytona 500. It was perhaps the most important race in NASCAR's history from the time of its founding in 1947 to the present day. Let's bring in Steve Richards, longtime broadcaster and pit reporter for the Performance Racing Network, as well as the producer of Back in the Day, Steve. The 1979 Daytona 500 was pivotal for many reasons, not the least of which was the fact it was the first live flag-to-flag broadcast of America's race on CBS. Ron, where I grew up in Western Maryland, we didn't have racing. We didn't have a whole lot of racing. And the Daytona 500 in 79 was the first race that we could watch flag to flag. We only caught it on Wide World of Sports. We caught a clip, you know, here and there. And I know your favorite driver was Richard Petty. And Absolutely. My, mine was uh, David Pearson. I mm-hmm. love the, the old Mercury and the Wood Brothers. But uh, it was the first time that we could watch an entire race where you could sit there and uh, imagine the first football game that you could watch, the first baseball game where you didn't have to watch just highlights. You could watch the entire game. And because so many people were seeing racing for the very first time, flag to flag, NASCAR gained so many fans, and then the sport went from there. And, and I don't know if it took off, you could say, but it was the uh, the birth of a resurgence. I think it was the catalyst for the growth that happened over the next 15 years. Catalyst yeah. is the word yeah. I was looking the, for. Uh, well, wordsmith here. <laughs> um, little did we know it was going to be as important as it turned out to be mm-hmm. back then. Uh, there were many reasons for that. The fact that two of the biggest names in the in the business, as you said, Richard Petty and David Pearson, were kind of battling for it. Cale Yarbrough was in there. You know, you had the people who today are, are legends and heroes in the sport mm-hmm. uh, were battling it out, and they were live on TV, and everybody could see it. And that was a huge, huge thing back in 1979. Right, right. Of course, I was 14. <laughs> I was maybe a little older. <laughs> yeah. I was, uh, let's see, I was a couple years out of high school. Well, see, you know, you had a driver's license. I was stuck. So <laughs> there you go. 
Another reason the 79 Daytona 500 stands out as the most pivotal in NASCAR history had to do with Mother Nature. Mm -hmm. We all know it's not nice to fool that lady, but she really must have had a beaner bonnet that weekend. (laughs) To say the least. Rhode Island, Connecticut, and Massachusetts now are almost totally paralyzed by the blizzard. And a complete travel ban is ordered by all three governors. Gigantic snowstorm wreaked havoc on the Northeast, essentially shutting down all activity from Philadelphia to Boston, with New York in between, and trapping millions of people in their homes. Little did we know that was going to make NASCAR a household name. Absolutely. You know, and... and Seventy-eight, seventy-nine was not a good time for winter storms because Mm-mm. I spent three weeks out of school in 1978 with, uh, oh, 25-foot snowdrifts uh, across the plains of central Indiana. I was working in Maine, Maine? at oh the time. Oh, my God, you're a glutton for punishment. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> what do they have there, winter in July? Uh, yeah. Matter of fact, in Lewiston, Maine, the lake, one of the lakes froze over first week of May. Good Lord. I remember that. Yeah. That ought to be against the law. <laughs> it, it was. Is somewhere. It was, yeah. <laughs> One of the other interesting points about 79 at Daytona was the way the race ended. Mm -hmm. They still talk about it today. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, Donnie Allison, Cale Yarbrough were battling for the lead as the race wound down, the final lap. Two get together coming off turn two, and as they say, it was on. Mm -hmm. Uh, They spun into the infield in turn three. A last lap crash, you can't beat that for excitement, right? Especially if it's for the lead. Exactly. And then, uh, you know, Richard Petty tooling along in third, several seconds behind, passes. Goes on to win number six. Mm-hmm. He won one more. Can you remember the year? Uh, no. 1981. Okay. Uh, that was his seventh and final. But, you know, what really set it off, I think, and cemented the next 15 years of growth, as we said, for the sport, was, was what happened in the span of time between the crash and when Richard <laughs> crossed the finish line. Right. And there's a fight between Cale Yarborough and Donnie Allison. The tempers overflowing. They're angry. They know they have lost. And what a bitter defeat. Cale Yarborough, Donnie Allison, Bobby Allison, Richard Petty, all key parts of that particular incident. Yarborough and Donnie Allison talked about how that particular wreck happened. I had Donnie set up where I wanted him to, uh, to slingshot him on the last lap. And, uh, and I can understand a little bit of his position, too. You know, he knew what was going to happen. And as I came up by him, he just crowded me off the racetrack. We never touched until I had to physically run off the racetrack. As we came off the corner, I wasn't looking at Kale. I came off and started for a lower line, and he ran into the back of me. So evidently, he had got a little bit of a run at me, which I didn't see, and he ran into the back of me. When it did, it knocked me a little sideways, and I lifted. Then he hit me in the door, and then he went in the apron. You know, it had rained uh, all night the night before, and the, the infield was wet, and when I ran off the racetrack, I was out of control. I was in the mud. I had no control whatsoever on that car. When he came back, we hit really hard. Well, that's when he went all the way out in the grass. And then the third time, he was still wide open. I never had got out of the racetrack. Well, when he came out of the infield the last time, he was wide open and he was headed toward the airport. And I was a cushion. I tried to get it back because I was still trying to win the race. But, uh, you know, it was just one of those things that happened. As we all know, Ken Squire of CBS had the call that day, and I don't think he really expected what happened next. And Cale, Donnie, and Bobby Allison recalled that famous fight. Bobby looked to me like that he was slowing up on the racetrack to, to help Donnie out on the last lap. I was watching him. We were talking about it on the radio. And, uh, you know, and uh, that, that had me a, a little bit mad right there thinking about what he was thinking that he might could help Donnie win, win the race. Maybe, maybe putting a block on me or something. I stopped to ask Donnie if he wanted to ride back to the pits. He said no, and I started to leave. With that, Gail came running at me, yelling at me and blaming me for the wreck. And then after the wreck, 
after the wreck was over and we stopped. Then Bobby came up and stopped, and uh, of course the, the fire was flaming pretty high by then and got a little out of control. I think I questioned his ancestry. With that, he ran a little closer and he yelled some more, and, and I proudly questioned his ancestry again. And uh, he lunged at me, hit me in the face with his helmet. And I said, I got to get out of the car and, and address this situation now, or I have to run from him the rest of my life. Well, I ran over and grabbed Kale by the arm, and I told him, Look, if you want to fight, I'm the guy you should be fighting with. Well, the rest is history. Bobby got out of the car. I got out that fast, I don't know. But then the fight started. With that, he went to beating on my fist with his nose. Kale hit Bobby with his helmet, and I put mine in the air, and I said, I got one of those things to fight with, too, you know. And why I didn't fight, I don't know. I still can't answer that. I have no earthly idea why I didn't fight. Questions his ancestry. Isn't that great? That's a, well, that's great. And I, I especially liked when Kale kept uh, hitting Bobby's fist with his face. <laughs> you know, that's uh, hard to do, really. Yeah, it is. You know, with his helmet, you mean? Yeah. You know, no, with his, with his fist. Fist, his face, yeah. Yeah, fist, yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. It, usually it's the other way around. Yeah, true, true. But uh, <laughs> it, it, needless to say, that caused quite a stir among all those people who happen to be trapped watching this event on their TVs. Mm -hmm. um, they're going, hey, this is pretty cool, you know? Exactly. Geez, do they do this every week? Oh, my gosh. What's yeah. NASCAR? What, you know? Did you know that that was Terry Labonte's first Daytona 500? Uh, no, I did not. Yeah, yeah. I happened to run across that factoid, and Terry uh, basically said, hey, they fight here, too. This is pretty cool. <laughs> That's right. Just like the short tracks in Texas. <laughs> well, you know, it, it was a lot of firsts, too. You know, first the first... Live flag-to-flag -flag coverage, which had never been done before. We take that for granted now. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, you really, sometimes you just want the highlights. You know, let's, like, and, and not to slam Dover, but I, back when it was 500 miles, mm -hmm. 500 laps, mm -hmm. you set a wake-up call for lap 450. Oh, I yeah. I mean, seriously. Yeah. It was like. That was the 24 hours of Dover. Oh, gosh. Absolutely. And, and, you know, the rain delay 400 or 500 at Pocono that one year. <laughs> right, right, right. You know, and, and look. NASCAR racing, for those of us who love it, and you do if you're listening to this podcast, you know, understand the, the things and they understand exactly what goes on and, and they like it and, and it's really cool. Those who don't, especially in urban areas where maybe the exposure wasn't as big, mm -hmm. you know, this is like way cool. This is like WWE with, uh, with gas and cars and shoot, I got a car. I can do that, <laughs> you know. And Kale and Donnie and Bobby all reflected. This was... This, this interview was back in uh, the early 2000s, and, you know, they all agreed that incident, the fight, the race, has stood the test of time. I had Bobby by the arm, holding on to Bobby's arm, telling Bobby, you're on national television. Bobby, you're on national television. America saw uh, that we were real people, and uh, everybody was sitting in the chairs, and everybody was laying on the couches when... When that last last lap came about, I think everybody stood up and said, you know, hey, this is a real sport, and these are real people, and I think it made a big difference in the sport. I got over it. I mean, what can I do? I can't bring that back. You know, it's gone. It's history, and it's just a big part of NASCAR history. The bottom line is we showed the sincerity of our commitment right down to the nth degree, and the people loved it, and the people have responded to it and still respond to it. There were a lot of other stuff going on, too. IndyCar broke apart. That was mm -hmm. America's racing day. Mm -hmm. and, and NASCAR stepped into that void. Nature abhors a vacuum. They stepped right in. And this was the catalyst that, that got them on that plane to where they could do that. Well, there's one more guy we haven't heard from. That's right. The winner of the race. That's right. Richard Petty. We were something like 18 or 20 seconds behind. And uh, we come off the fourth corner, the second corner. I, I think it was Fort, Darrell, and myself. I don't know really how they was lined up. I think I don't know where I was leading 
leading or where Fort seen the caution lights come on well he lifted well me and Daryl we've been running NASCAR before and we just you know we just kept plugging away and we didn't know what happened we didn't know somebody happened behind us or what and really didn't realize what was going on until we started in the third corner because they was far enough ahead that they crashed hit the wall come down to the infield I don't guess they got out of the car but anyhow the cars two cars were laying over there and I said that's number one that's number two and that makes me from third to first you know what I mean and uh then I cut Daryl off a little bit coming off the fourth corner to keep him from coming under me and passing me. So we uh, wound up getting lucky there and winning the race. That was sickening to see him run a half lap back and go on and win the race. I don't know that uh, it really sunk in until we come back around. You know what I mean? And then all of a sudden you realize, hey, man, you just won a dadgum Daytona 500 here and, and uh, you know, come back and win. It was sort of like, hey, man, these guys don't want it. They just give it to you. And I said, well, I'll take it. <laughs> I've never lost them exactly like that, but I have lost them. You know, that was one of the, the 500s that I won that I really shouldn't have won. Uh, and I can tell you about four or five that I should have won I didn't win. So, you know, from my standpoint, it sort of evens things up. Well, Richard's got seven of them. I think he can share a little bit with the rest of them. He got dang gum seven of them. Dang gum seven of them. There you and, go. And, you know, I'll tell you, Richard Petty growing up as was my favorite driver. The other, mm-hmm. My other favorite driver was A.J. Foyt. So mm-hmm. this is a win-win for me. Right, exactly. <laughs> so... The Daytona 500 in 1979, 21st Daytona 500, I, th- I think it's by far the most memorable. Mm-hmm. Speaking of memory, it's time to introduce a segment we like to call Beat the Buzzer. Beat the Buzzer. Beat the Buzzer. And it doesn't have anything to do with basketball, even though I'm from Indiana. Yeah. It's very simple. We've managed to entice the world's foremost historian on NASCAR racing, the historian for the NASCAR Hall of Fame, Buzz McKim. Oh, there's Buzz. Buzz. Buzz, Buzz, Buzz McKim and Buzz. See what I did there? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're clever. Uh, Buzz is going to join us each week for this segment called Beat the Buzzer. And as if that isn't enough, our listeners can win prizes, too. Prizes? Mm-hmm. Awesome. Awesome. And it's really cool. Uh, Everybody also- likes prizes. Right. Buzz, welcome to Back in the Day. Well, I appreciate it. I am tickled to death to be a part of this. Are you ensconced in your memento-encrusted office there at the uh, NASCAR Hall of Fame in downtown Charlotte? At- what are you seeing out your window? Oh, uh, well, you know what? I don't have windows here. I oh, used to have windows. On. I used to be upstairs, but now I'm down here in the basement. So, you know, this place is built like a fortress, so we could probably be attacked by space aliens, and I'd never know. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably the only thing that didn't happen during the 1979 Daytona 500, isn't it? <laughs> well, let's set this up for you. The week before each episode, we'll put out the call for Junior Nation and Dirty Mo followers to take to our Twitter accounts at Exalta Racing and at Dirty Mo Radio and post with the hashtag back in the day and tag mm-hmm. with at Exalta. Of those, the people who uh, who respond, Buzz will represent three responders in Beat the Buzzer against the Wiley co-hosts, Steve Richards and Ron LeMasters. We are Wiley. We are Wiley. Yeah. One of us is a coyote. <laughs> we're not going to tell you who. Uh, if you answer all three correctly, and I have to tell you, Junior Nation, we're going to have to work real hard to stump him. Mm-hmm. One responder <laughs> chosen randomly from that week's submitters will win a prize from Dirty Mo Radio or Exalta. Sounds good. Sounds like a great deal. Yeah. What do you think, Buzz? <laughs> Oh, I think it's awesome. Now, what do I get if I uh, get them all right? The satisfaction of getting them all right. Oh, there you go. And the the, the undying admiration from your fans. Oh, that's already there. We'll just add more to it. (laughs) We'll send them a Dale's Pale Ale or something. That's right. Do you like a Dale's Pale Ale? Hey, there you go. Let's see. We can make that happen. Okay. Great. This week, since it's the debut of our show back in the day, we're going to play a starter round with questions from the devious and somewhat venerable minds of Steve and myself. Mm. Vener- <laughs> emphasis on the venerable, I guess. There's going to be no winners this week. Uh, well, actually, everybody will be a winner because you'll see how this game is played. Right. 
Uh, but this is the way it'll happen in episode two. This is kind of a practice round. Practice round. Practice yes. game. Yes. Right. It's a, it's a <laughs> preseason scrimmage. Right. This is our dash. This is testing. Our clash. Yeah. Testing. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So question number one. Yes. Where did Dale Earnhardt Sr. finish in the 1979 Daytona 500? Well, uh, you know, it, what's interesting about that, he never saw a Daytona 500 until he qualified for that first one in 79. Can you imagine that? Wow. But uh, he, he did extremely well. I think the network was anticipating big things from him because they did a special cutaway piece on him. It was really, really good. It's a very important part of the broadcast. But Dale started 10th, and he finished 8th that day. I told you we are going to have a hard time stumping him. Yeah, I got the first one right. That's right. Yeah, right. So let's go to number two. <laughs> All right, number two. You ready, Buzz? <laughs> okay. Right. In the uh, 1979 Daytona 500, who led the most laps? Well, it just happened to be uh, Donnie Allison, one of the, uh, the pugilists, <laughs> toward the end of the race. You know, Donnie. Uh, Bobby will tell you that Donnie was the better driver of the two, but Donnie uh, always kind of had a little bit of a hard luck streak. You know, he should have had three Daytona 500 wins, actually. He had one when he was driving for Diegard on the last pit stop. Uh, air hose got pulled out. He had this one almost in the back you know, with the Ian Cal. And then there was another one he was driving for Junior Johnson, and he was leading, and he uh, he hit the wall just past the start-finish line at Daytona. So, uh, he always ran up front. He was strong. He was tough. But uh, but he still had that hard luck streak. Two for two? We, we may have to pick up our game next next time. <laughs> okay. Um, number okay. three, mm-hmm. our final real question. <laughs> who finished second and who finished third behind Richard mm-hmm. Petty? That's tough. Okay. That's tough. Yeah. Yeah, it is tough. But, you know, it's interesting, though. Um, the second place finisher was old DW. Huh. Really? And he, yeah, he was driving the Gatorade car, and, you know, he finally won the Daytona 500 10 years later. It took him another 10 years, another decade, to finally get that 500 win. Mm-hmm. And uh, that day, in 89, he uh, he was driving car number 17. It was his 17th attempt yep. to win the race, and he was in pit stall 17. So I don't know if yep. you're into numerology, but, but old DW, he fell in on the back of Richard, and it's ironic uh, that uh, Mr. A.J. Foyt finished third, ah. and um, I, I just heard something interesting uh, not too long ago that uh, at the age of 82, he's had everything pretty much crunched and broken and twisted and everything else, and he wants to kind of try to get a new lease on life, so he's going to Cancun, Mexico to go through a stem cell program to see if he can kind of rejuvenate himself a little bit. How about that? Wow. Good Lord. He could he could return and win another... Two eighty five hundreds and then another Daytona five hundred. That man, and that would be incredible. Wouldn't it? Being an AJ well, Foyt he, fan from birth, that 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 would well, be awesome. He's going to come back from Cancun. He's going to look yeah. like uh, Joey Logano. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be interesting. He'll oh, be tall but, and thin and <laughs> talk with a Connecticut accent. <laughs> now we do have a bonus question. I thought of this the other day. I thought this was a cool type of bonus question. That mm-hmm. is just off the wall. Yeah. Everybody knows that the Northeast was socked in with bad mm-hmm. weather. How much snow fell on President's Day in New York City that helped make the 79 Daytona 500 the most important race in NASCAR history? How much snow mm-hmm. fell in New York City, Buzz? 
Well, uh, I'm saying 27 inches. <laughs> 27 <laughs> inches? Know. I don't know. Well, technically, <laughs> it was 12.7 inches falling between 4 a.m. and noon that day. Man, I was going to say that, too. <laughs> <laughs> sure you were. And Virginia, D.C., Maryland, and Delaware uh-huh. at 18 to 24 inches. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's yeah. amazing. That was a great question, but it was a little bit, that's, you know. That's, that's kind yeah, of That's outside out your out. comfort that's, zone. That's out there. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't expect you to, to get that one right. That's okay. Yeah, but that's hey, okay. That's all right. You can throw those ringers in there. I'll give it a shot. But, heck, getting the top three right? Yes. Way out of our league, man. Stepping up our game, man. Yeah. I'll tell you. <laughs> so I, I'll tell you this much. Junior Nation's going to be very happy with you because you're going to win them prizes every week. Oh, that's awesome. And, that's uh, super duper. Well, I, I am so tickled to be a part of this. And we're glad to have you. What's What's new down at the NASCAR Hall of Fame? Well, sir, uh, we you know we, we just got our two biggest exhibits finished the the new Hall of Honor mm-hmm. and the new Glory Road. You know we just got those in place last month, mm-hmm. and we have Tony Stewart. Uh, salute to him! Uh, the smoke exhibit that we have in the Great Hall, but we're working on a new exhibit that we're going to be launching in March. I can't talk about it, but it's going to be huge, and it's it, we like to call it job insurance. Here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, so we're excited about that. So. Uh, uh, there's never a dull moment here at the NASCAR Hall of Fame. Well, we're going to encourage all of our listeners to attend the NASCAR Hall of Fame whenever they're in Charlotte. How else can they reach you there at the NASCAR Hall of Fame? Oh, okay. Well, you can go to uh, Facebook. We have a great Facebook page. And also you can go to www.nascarhall.com. And, um, yeah, I would love to chat with you all because, see, everybody who comes through the door has a story. And uh, we find out stuff. We, we learn things from our guests. Well, we're tickled to death to have you as part of Back in the Day, and there's no finer person to be our prize-winning uh, uh, machine for Junior Nation and, and Dirty Mo and Exalta Racing. So thank you very much for coming on with us today, and we look forward to our next episode in two weeks. Well, thank you so much. It was indeed my pleasure, and I can't wait for the next one. That's it for the premiere of Back in the Day. Thanks to Buzz McKim, our resident NASCAR guru, for playing along with us today, and we look forward to hearing Junior Nation and Dirty Mo listeners play for prizes on Beat the Buzzer for real in a couple of weeks. Keep an eye on at Exalta Racing and at Dirty Mo Radio for the opportunity to participate. And remember, history is made every day, so be a part of it with Back in the Day. Thanks for listening to Dirty Mo Radio. 